Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics. I'm your host, Jonathan Davis, the voice of University of Texas football and basketball. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Longhorns your first listen of the day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We have an amazing show for you on this hump day. We'll be talking about the devastating loss to Texas Tech last night by the Texas men's basketball programs. Texas football has the number five recruiting class in the country as we go into National Signing Day as they await two potential commitments from five-star prospects, Devin Campbell and Harold Perkins. I'll talk a little bit about both of those two players and how they fit in to Texas football's future. And we'll be talking about the bombshell lawsuit that Brian Flores dropped on three NFL teams in the NFL as a whole. Let's get into it, Longhorn Nation. So honestly, I I wasn't super motivated to get up and do this podcast. If you listen to the episode yesterday, I said that the University of Texas men's basketball program would go into a hostile environment in Lubbock, beat them 61 to 57, get a win for former Texas Tech men's basketball coach Chris Beard. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Um, And as somebody, you know, who's in sports journalism, as somebody who does this podcast, I have to come out here and admit that I was wrong. I have to give credit to the Texas Tech men's basketball program and Mark Adams. They were really ready to play Uh, the crowd. I thought they really fed off of the crowd who was intense. Even before the game, we saw on Monday night uh, when the University of Texas players arrived into Lubbock, the fans were there waiting on them uh, and and gave them a not so warm welcome. And it was even worse uh, in the arena. Uh, they, They showed a lot of energy. They yelled a lot of things, most of which I can't repeat on this podcast, uh, but they definitely made it a hostile environment uh, for the University of Texas basketball. And and I thought you could see that throughout the game. Uh, They were just kind of shook. Now, they didn't turn the ball over a lot. Really, both teams matched each other with turnovers. But you could just see on the offensive end, they really couldn't get anything going. Uh, They were very timid, just passing the ball way too much, not being aggressive. And on the other end, Texas Tech was very aggressive, shooting 30 free throws. I can't remember the last time I seen a college basketball team uh, shoot 30 free throws in a, a regulation game. They, The University of Texas made six threes. Kevin O'Banner from Texas Tech had five threes himself. And, and it just seemed as though, you know, they were destined to win two of those threes he made. I mean, they bounced off the back of the rim, came up, came back down and went in. It was just Texas Tech's night. I'm not sure if it's, it's because Hall of Fame wrestler Ric Flair was there, you know, yelling, woo, I'm not going to even try <laughs> to, to yell it the way he does. Uh, but it was just a dominant uh, win on both ends from start to finish. They got whatever they wanted on the offensive end. Like I said, they, they got out really uh, with the keys that I said the University of Texas needed to do on the podcast yesterday. Texas Tech did all of that. Uh, they, they got out and ran. They put the pressure on the referees. They may have got a few calls uh, just because they were at home and the intensity of the environment. Uh, but that's what you have to do. You have to put the pressure on the referees. And I thought they did that. They got to the rim as often as they wanted, forced contact, forced the referees uh, to, to make decisions. They put Texas in foul trouble in both halves. They were in the bonus a lot of the game. Uh, so every time they got fouled, they were just going uh, and shooting free throws and, and making the majority of their free throws. They shot 42% from the three-point line, better than Texas shot from the field overall. So it was just a dominating performance on offense, on defense, and they definitely uh, fed off that crowd, which, um, as you could see, if you're in the arena, of course, but definitely just through the TV screen, that was one of the most electric atmospheres in college basketball this season. I know Auburn is the number one team, and and they played Alabama, but I I definitely thought Texas and and Texas Tech, uh, with the history of that rivalry, especially with Chris Beard and and the way that the fans – 
uh, were disappointed in the way that he left. I thought that should have been on ESPN. Uh, but once again, Auburn's the number one team in the country. And Auburn and Alabama uh, is a big rivalry as well. So it's a game. Great environment. Uh, multiple times on, on the broadcast last night, the, the announcers kept mentioning that, you know, the Texas Tech was a better basketball team. Uh, they were a more athletic team, more aggressive team, more well-rounded team. And, you know, after watching the game last night, I can't say that I disagree with that. Uh, they thoroughly dominated on both ends of the floor. Uh, they made it really hard for Texas to get anything going on the offensive end. I really only remember last night uh, out of the 22 shots they made, about two, three, maybe four at the most uh, that were easy. They got some outlet passes and some quick layups when they caught Texas Tech napping on defense. But for the most part, it was a lot of dribbling down the shot clock, passing all the way to the end of the shot clock, and then taking a tough jumper. They took so many tough threes last night, missed 17 three-pointers, only shot 26% from the three-point line and 40% from the field. Uh, just a, a thorough domination by the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And it's disappointing uh, for the Texas men's basketball program. It's disappointing for Chris Beard, not because they lost to some scrub team. They lost to a really good team, a team that may really be better uh, than the University of Texas. But just with everything surrounding that game, the backstory, uh, the reception that the fans had uh, for Chris Beard and the Texas men's basketball program, and the fact that, you know, nothing that happened last night would really justify or unjustify Chris Beard's decision to leave Texas Tech and come to the University of Texas. But you would have liked to get that win for him um, just to kind of silence all of those people in Lubbock who feels as though uh, Chris Beard didn't give that program everything he had uh, or he left for their rival or he left them hanging. Um, I, I, I thought that was a really big game last night. And, and Texas Tech was just the better team. They were the more prepared team and, and they came out and they were ready for the moment. And like I said, they, they put Texas in foul trouble, really handicapped them for the majority of the game to where Texas couldn't even play uh, the style of defense that they're accustomed to because they were in the bonus the whole time. So anytime they really made contact, tried to get in their face, fouls were being called and Texas Tech was going to the free throw line and give them credit. They, they shot 30 free throws um, and, and they made the majority of their free throws, making 21 of those. So uh, a dominant win by Texas Tech. As I said on the podcast yesterday, four of the next five games for Texas basketball are against ranked opponents. They're going to have to play Kansas, uh, Texas Tech one more time, Iowa State, and Baylor. So you would have liked to get that win last night uh, just to springboard you into Big 12 play. But last night, and maybe overall, Texas Tech was just a better team, and it was an intense environment. Uh, Texas Tech does play Texas again this month. That's going to be on February 19th on a Saturday at the 40 acres. And so we're hoping that the University of Texas, our fans, first of all, come out and they have to match the intensity that the fans had in Lubbock last night. I'm not telling you to, to say any of the things that they said last night, which was some of those got really vulgar. Um, I thought some of it was out of line, but you know, at the end of the day, those are fans. They're passionate. Uh, they were stepping. Uh, the fans came in and stepping on a rug that had Chris Beard's face on it. I thought they were really creative in their hate for Chris Beard in the UT basketball program and some of their signs uh, were pretty funny, even as a Longhorns fan to see. So they're going to have to, fans are going to have to come out and return the favor on February 19th uh, when Texas Tech comes to the 40 acres and the Texas men's basketball program is going to have to be ready uh, because Texas Tech is, is a team full of dogs. If, if there's anything I learned last night is, is they're a team full of dogs and they're going to come ready to play. And the University of Texas has to be ready to play. If not, uh, they'll get run off the court again, even in Austin, uh, similar to the way they did last night. So uh, a tough loss 
for the Texas men's basketball team, a great win for Texas Tech. They dominated uh, all areas of the floor, offensively, defensively, got to the foul line, and just really made Texas uncomfortable all night. Um, in addition to the hostile environment uh, that the fans created, I, I just thought Texas was no match last night. And it's just one of those games where you got to learn from, get better, uh, and come back the next day. And, you know, hopefully they'll do that uh, in, on Saturday in their next game against Iowa State. But congrats to the Red Raiders on a hard-fought win last night against their former coach in the Texas men's basketball program. Coming up next on the podcast, we'll be talking about five-star prospects on National Signing Day. Devin Campbell and Harold Perkins, both considering UT, have yet to make a commitment. UT has the number five recruiting class in the country, and these two prospects could take it over the top. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new, limited-time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Longhorn Nation. So today is a huge day for Steven Sarkeesian and the Texas football program, National Signing Day. Now, Texas is already... Uh, pretty much locked into the number five recruiting class in the country. Um, all signs are pointing to a commitment from Devin Campbell, although he is doing his best uh, to keep the Red River rivalry alive, even in the offseason, narrowing his decision down to UT and Oklahoma. He's going to be making a decision today, the interior lineman, five-star offensive lineman. Uh, he could play all five spots, but he's listed as an interior offensive lineman from Bowie High School in Arlington, Texas the number one offensive lineman in this recruiting class. And then you have Harold Perkins, uh, depending on which website you're looking at, uh, one of the top two. Some have him ranked the number one linebacker in this class. Some have him ranked number two uh, for one of the best linebackers in this class overall. And he's considering Texas A&M, the University of Texas, Florida, and LSU. He did commit to Texas A&M early in January and then decommitted um, and took visits to LSU and Florida. So we'll be talking about both of those players and how they could affect Texas recruiting class and how they would outlook on the University of Texas football team. Uh, so let's start with Devin Campbell first. Uh, Devin Campbell, once again, is, is narrowing his decision down to UT and Oklahoma. And, and when I look at him, uh, 6'3", 310 pounds, maybe a little short uh, for an offensive lineman when you're looking at in the interior, uh, but he's a dude. All right, you can just look at him on tape look at what he's able to do, and, and you can see that he's a dude, and he would instantly step in. He's the number one offensive lineman uh, recruit in the country right now. Sarkeesian uh, probably wants to be really multiple on offense. A lot of people have called Texas Alabama West, and you can really see that by the recruiting class. Uh, he invested so much in the trenches. 14 of the players in the recruiting class currently, this does not include Devin Campbell, who all signs point to will be committing to the Texas Longhorns today. 14 
of the 28 prospects are on the offensive and defensive line. So he really invested in the trenches and they already brought in one uh, five star offensive lineman, Kelvin Banks. Uh, from the Houston area, who's going to play tackle. And so with the addition of Devin Campbell, who's just a man, I, I was really looking at uh, a lot of the websites and what they had to say about him, some of his film. And I was wondering if the Cowboys could get him. You know, if he could just forego college and come to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but obviously that, that can't happen. And he's really athletic. Not only did he play on the offensive line, but he played on the defensive line as well. Um, he projects as a really good prospect on the defensive tackle side. Of course, he won't play defensive tackle. But that just shows you the athleticism uh, that he has. And he also played basketball. And Gabe Brooks, I thought, I thought this was hilarious. Gabe Brooks of 24-7 Sports says, two-sport participation in football and basketball, in parentheses, can dunk. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. But with him being 6'3", 310 pounds, being able to dunk, that just shows you the athleticism that he has. Um, and with him... And Kelvin Banks, I think they're really going to come in, step in right away and be starters on that offensive line. I think they have that type of pedigree, being the two best offensive linemen in this country by far. And I, I thought that was big uh, for the University of Texas to get Kelvin Banks. And it's going to be huge for Steven Sarkeesian and what he wants to do with this offense. Um, really focusing on the centerpiece, which is B. John Robinson, who I think is the best returning playmaker in the country. Um, just running back, he's, he's proficient, um, catching the ball out of the backfield as well. And, and I think with Kelvin Banks, Devin Campbell, if he commits today and the rest of that offensive line, they're going to be able to impose their will, similar to the way we've seen with Alabama. Now, Alabama, of course, they recruit everybody. And so they've had quarterbacks and receivers. That offense has become more explosive. But if you look at Alabama, they still dominate in the trenches on both sides, especially on that offensive line. Um, they've had offensive linemen drafted in the first round for the last few years in the NFL draft. And so um, I think that that's what Steven Sarkeesian wants to do. He wants to win games in the trenches while also being able uh, to spread teams out. And that's part of uh, the offense that he helped um, construct and, and coordinated down there in Alabama, um, winning a national championship in his time there. So uh, I think Devin Campbell is huge. Uh, it's kind of hard to quantify what a, what an offensive lineman does. But like I said, he's 6'3", 310, really athletic. I think he can dominate at the point of attack. And with him playing defensive tackle, he knows uh, what pass rushers are trying to do to him. He knows, he understands leverage. He understands how to get beat. And so I have an offensive lineman, if you understand how to get beat, uh, then you'll understand how to beat uh, the the person across from you. Uh, some things, uh, some, some quotes, like I said, it's kind of hard to quantify uh, what an offensive lineman did in high school. Uh, but, you know, some quotes, Sue snaps foster functional athleticism and awareness, displays impressive movement ability relative to size with mobility to lead the way as a puller and as a devastating second level blocker. Heavy handed shows startling punch power at times. Impressive open field athleticism when lead blocking beyond the line of scrimmage terrorizes second level defenders and looks for extra work. So he's nasty. Um, and that's exactly what I saw on film watching him. Um, and you can use him in so many ways. Like I said, just at the point of attack pulling him, getting those runs to the outside. Uh, B. John Robinson and the other running backs uh, running behind him as a lead blocker. And if he gets to the second level, uh, it's over. And so you can definitely use him on screen passes and different things as well. Um, he's going to be one of the best offensive linemen for University of Texas next year, if not the best, one of the best in the country. And I think in three to four years, we'll be looking at somebody who will be a high round draft pick in the NFL. When it comes down to his decision, Adam Gorney, from the national, the national recruiting director for Rivals.com, says after talking to numerous people about this one and trying to figure out any scenario where Campbell picks Oklahoma over Texas, I just cannot see it happening. 
it is a little curious that Texas has been considered the top choice for so long, and Campbell hasn't seemed to be able to pull the trigger, which might give the Sooners a little opening, but this looks like all Longhorns to me. There have been surprises on National Signing Day, and this could be one, but I doubt it. Campbell to Texas seems like a lock. So in this edition of the Red River Rivalry, uh, Texas gets their five-star prospect, the number one offensive lineman in the country, Devin Campbell. So now we're going to move down to Harold Perkins, one of the top linebackers in the country. Some have him ranked number one. Some have him ranked number two. And I think that the Texas recruiting class is number five in the country. I think most people assume that Devin Campbell will commit to the Texas Longhorns today. Definitely with the departure of Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley uh, probably contributed a lot uh, to Devin Campbell's decision. When we look at Harold Perkins, I think this is a player that could move Texas actually up in the ranking. So I'm seeing conflicting reports. I know that he did take a visit uh, in the summer of 2021 to the University of Texas. Since then, he has committed and decommitted from Texas A&M. And in the last month in January, he took visits to Florida and LSU. I did not find anything about a visit to the University of Texas, a second visit to the University of Texas. And some websites that I saw, they didn't even have uh, Harold Perkins, well, the University of Texas listed as one of Harold Perkins schools. So I'm not sure how much Texas is in the mix or not. But he's like I said, he's considering Texas A&M, Florida, LSU and Texas. And I think that he uh, would definitely move um, the University of Texas recruiting class from five up into the top four. When you look at what he's able to do, he's kind of that new breed of linebacker. Um, he's a little undersized. Uh, he's he's six two, uh, about two twenty two thirty. But he's kind of has that versatile skill set that you can move all over the defense as a chess piece. Um, he can get down and stop the run you know maybe he's gonna have to beef up a little bit going against uh, some bigger offensive linemen than he's probably used to in high school uh, but he's a stud he could come down and stop the run you can use him in different sub packages uh, to rush the passer and he can also uh, cover tight ends and running backs out of the backfield when you need him to and this is the type of playmaker that the university of texas needs on defense i spoke earlier in the week about them being ranked 100th in the country last year uh, almost dead last in sacks, only having 20 sacks as a team last year. This is the type of player um, that comes in and similar to like, you know, a Dylan Moses uh, at the Alabama, just kind of that captain of the defense. I'm not sure how he'll be able to, how early he'll be able to achieve that status, but he instantly comes in and becomes one of the most talented players on the defensive side in this program. He's been compared to Miles Jack from the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who was a part of that Jacksonville Jaguars defense that was really close to getting to the Super Bowl before they lost to Tom Brady and the Patriots in 2017. And, and looking at his film, I see a lot of that. Like I said, he's really versatile. And I, and I think uh, he's only going to get better when he gets to college. And like I said, with the fifth-ranked recruiting class in the country already, Steven Sarkeesian has done a great job. The best uh, recruiting class in the Big 12, 17 commits in the ESPN 300. But with Harold Perkins um, signing and, and Devin Campbell signing, that would give them four, three five-star prospects, four prospects in the top 100. And, and Harold Perkins would really set this recruiting class off, and he would give us an instant difference maker on the defensive end. And I think he instantly, um, along with, with some of the transfers they brought in, they invested really heavily in the DBs, um, getting six DB commitments. Like I said, they're really, you can tell Steven Sarkeesian is really modeling this team after some of those Alabama teams that we've seen recently. So, I, I think Harold Perkins would, would be the biggest story of the day, not just for Texas football, uh, but period on National Signing Day if Texas was somehow to land him. And I think with the fifth recruiting class in the country currently, uh, that number would move up if you sign five-star prospect 
Harold Perkins. Coming up next on the podcast for a special segment, we'll be discussing the breaking news. Brian Flores is suing the NFL and three NFL teams citing racial hiring injustices. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs, right to the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. So this is something I just really wanted to talk about. It doesn't necessarily pertain to Texas athletics, but I just think this is a huge story and, and something I wanted to get my thoughts off on. And, and Brian Flores, the, the coach, he was fired uh, this offseason. He was the coach of the Miami Dolphins the last three years. Uh, he had a winning record his last two years, uh, going 19 and 14 before ultimately being fired uh, in the offseason. And he's suing the NFL. He did have some NFL head coaching interviews. He's actually supposed to uh, interview with the Texans today. I'm not sure if that's still happening. He interviewed with the Saints yesterday, or he's supposed to interview with the Saints yesterday before that, before that lawsuit dropped. I'm not sure if that still took place. Uh, but he really dropped a monumental lawsuit, and, and I think this is going to forever change uh, the way we look at the NFL, uh, he cited racial uh, hiring injustices in the process. And one, uh, I think the key piece of the lawsuit was he was up for the New York Giants job and he received a text uh, from his mentor and, and former head coach as he was an assistant on the staff, Bill Belichick, congrats, congratulating him on getting the Giants job uh, three days before Brian Flores even interviewed for that position. And you can see in the text thread uh, that kind of Brian Flores is confused. You know, he's saying, thank you, coach. Um, I think I have a chance at it. And, and Bill Belichick is telling him, you know, for everything I'm hearing, you're their guy. And, you know, eventually Brian Flores kind of, you know, reads between the lines. And he says, hey, are you did you did you mean to send this to me or Brian Dayball, who was the offensive coordinator uh, for the Buffalo Bills? And Bill Belichick corrects himself and says, oh, my bad. Um, I think Brian Dayball is their guy. Once again, this was three days before Brian Flores even interviewed. Um, he also spoke about in the lawsuit about the Denver Broncos. Uh, formerly, he interviewed for that job in 2019. And he said that the executives for the Denver Broncos showed up to that interview drunk um, an hour late. And it was clear that they were hungover and had done a lot of drinking last night. And it was also clear um, that his interview was only to fulfill the Rooney rule, uh, which requires NFL teams to interview one person of color every time they're looking for a new head coach. Just a really bombshell lawsuit. It's something I really wanted to get on the podcast. Like I said, it doesn't necessarily pertain to Texas athletics, but there are going to be, um, you know, Texas football players. There are going to be uh, athletes in the NFL, coaches in the NFL uh, that are African-American that went to the University of Texas that may or may not get these opportunities for reasons that Brian Flores may or may not be citing. Now, I'm not... I'm not going to sit here and say that anything that happened to Brian Flores was strictly uh, because of the color of his skin. I'm not going to say that he has been treated unfairly because I don't know that, nor do I have the answers to those questions. Um, but what I, I think what I do think is um, 
you know, it, it is a little strange uh, when the league is 70 to 80 percent black and, and there's only one uh, black head coach. And it, and it just seems as though uh, black head coaches are on shorter leashes and, and get less leeway. I'm not exactly sure what happened in Miami, but I think it's really weird uh, that an owner would pay a coach one hundred thousand uh, dollars to lose games on purpose. I think it's really weird that uh, a team would would tell people around the league that they've hired their coach three days before they've interviewed all of the candidates. And and Brian Dayball is a hell of a coach. I loved what he did with Josh Allen in Buffalo. So I didn't even think that was necessary. So I talked about there only being one uh, black head coach currently in a league that's 70 to 80 percent African-American. And conversely, when you look at the NBA, uh, about half, about 50 percent of the coaches are black in a predominantly black league. So I, I'm not saying that anything that happened to Brian Flores was because he's black or African-American. I'm not saying that he was treated unfairly. Um, I'm sure there's more details come out. We'll find out more about the situation. Uh, but, you know, they say men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And the numbers show uh, just for some reason, it's really tough uh, for African-Americans in the NFL to get these head coaching jobs. And, you know, some of the past history shows that black head coaches are on shorter leashes. You look like at David Culley uh, being fired after one year. You look at Steve Wilkes being fired after one year. You look at Brian Flores, who had a winning season his last two years and really looked like they were building on something. I mean, he was four and two against Bill Belichick, one of the best coaches in the NFL, and he was fired. And the Miami Dolphins still have not been able to find a coach. The Texans fired David Coley. They still have not been able uh, to find a coach. And so when you read some of the things in that lawsuit, well, when you hear some things like, you know, a team making a decision on a head coach three days uh, before they've even interviewed all of the candidates, it, it's, it, just, it just seems a little off. You know, when, when you hear about an owner incentivizing a coach to lose, uh, it just seems a little off. I, and I think it's best, you know, that, and, and this isn't always the case, of course, but, you know, in the NFL, I believe it should be a meritocracy. I believe it should be the best candidates should get the jobs. And I'm not saying that, of course, the owners can hire whoever they want. And I'm not saying that there has to be a, a certain percentage of, of, of coaches of, of color or minority coaches uh, to validate uh, the NFL or, or validate my thoughts or validate anybody else's thoughts. Uh, but like I said, when you look at uh, the NBA, who is a predominantly African-American league, 50 percent of the coaches are African-American and a lot of them played in the NBA as well. And in the NFL, you just don't see that. And, and Brian Flores came out and, and said that, you know, he understands that he may never coach in the NFL again um, because of this lawsuit. But he's fighting for something bigger. Uh, he's fighting for, for people that look like him. And, and I believe that's something that you have to respect, uh, regardless of your personal thoughts. Uh, when somebody is willing to sacrifice their career, something that he's shown he's been really good at, a, a great head coach, a great defensive coach. Uh, Bill Belichick has been quoted as citing him um, as the defensive mastermind that held Sean McVay and the Rams uh, to three points in that Super Bowl against the Patriots. Uh, so he's a he's a hell of a defensive coach. He's really good at his job. He's only 40 years old. Um, he's basically just said, you know, I understand that I may never coach again because of this lawsuit, uh, but it's bigger than this. So, you know, like I said earlier, men lie, women lie, but numbers don't. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Locked on Longhorns, your daily number one source for all things Texas athletics. Once again, thank you. Uh, for making Locked On Longhorns your first listen of the day. 
And if you need any ideas for your second listen of the day, make that Locked On Bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is free and available on all platforms. Until tomorrow, peace.